Welcome to The Motivated Mind, where I challenge you to expand your perspective on how to achieve a successful life through motivational lessons, reflections, and interviews with other motivated minds. Welcome back to The Motivated Mind, a top 100 health podcast, thanks to each of you. This is episode 337, and I'm your host, Scott Lynch. Thanks so much for listening. If I've brought you any value, please be sure to leave a review and hit that subscribe or follow button. Don't be a stranger. Shoot me a DM on Instagram or Facebook and let me know what you want to hear more of. And please be sure to share the podcast. You can learn all the skills in the world, math, business, writing, but the right mindset will always trump them all. It's a great unlock to all other skills. Success and happiness come down to one single component, and that's mindset. In order to achieve our goals in life, our mindset needs to match those aspirations. And this is exactly what I pack into my free weekly newsletter. As a free subscriber, you receive the Mastering Your Mindset newsletter once per week packed with actionable insights on how to master your mindset and optimize your happiness. If you haven't subscribed, but you enjoy the content I drop on this podcast, then you're missing out. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe for free to the Mastering Your Mindset newsletter. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for podcasters, I feel like it's allowed me to be more creative because I've been able to simplify the admin aspect of my podcast and focus on developing more valuable and creative content. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. To what extent can we influence the course of our lives? Numerous psychological theories have sought to address this very question, with one of them being the concept of locus of control. The concept of locus of control was introduced by psychologist Julian Rotter in 1954. Rotter's interests in social learning led him to explore why certain behaviors persist while others fade away. While originally part of Rotter's social learning theory, the idea of locus of control has also found extensive applications as a standalone theory in fields such as education, health, and clinical psychology. It has been instrumental in driving research on topics like motivation, learning, depression, and addiction. So, 
what is locus of control? The concept of locus of control is relatively straightforward. It deals with how we perceive the relationship between our actions and the outcomes in our lives. According to his theory, we attribute the consequences of our actions to either an external or internal source. If we have an external locus of control, we tend to attribute outcomes to things like fate, luck, or external factors beyond our control. On the other hand, an internal locus of control leads us to believe that our own actions determine the outcomes. And our friend Julian Rotter suggested that the placement of this locus of control can influence the reinforcement or punishment of our actions. With an internal locus of control, positive outcomes reinforce our behavior, leading us to continue that behavior. Conversely, with an external locus of control, we may discontinue a behavior if the outcome seems beyond our influence. Now, something to note, Rotter cautioned against viewing this as a rigid dichotomy. It is better understood as a continuum between external and internal where most mentally healthy adults have a balanced mix of both perspectives. And interestingly, individuals who incorporate a blend of internal and external loci in their reasoning tend to report higher levels of happiness. Okay, so what are some examples of how our locus of control can shape our perspective on outcomes and influence our behaviors? Let's create a couple of imaginary friends. I know, a nice throwback to your three-year-old self. Let's refer to our two new imaginary friends as Ian the internalizer and Evan the externalizer. Man, I feel like those new imaginary friends are wrestler names or something. Anyways, let's plop them into three different environments. Work, school, and health. Let's start with work. Let's say that Ian and Evan are both up for a promotion. Ian, with his internal locus of control, believes that his hard work will get him the promotion. He also believes that if he doesn't get it, he just needs to work harder. Evan, on the other hand, feels that the promotion is largely outside of his control and that external factors, whether they are just chance or the boss's whims, will determine whether he will get the promotion. Although he may not work as hard to obtain the promotion, if he doesn't get it, Evan may be easier on himself than Ian. Okay, let's look at an example of school. Let's say that there's a big test coming up. And Ian and Evan are at the library. Ian believes his score will directly reflect the amount of studying that he did. And since he wants a good grade, he applies himself and studies hard. Evan has an external locus of control and believes that the grade will reflect the teacher's bias. He believes that studying too hard is a waste of time. Lastly, let's look at an example of health. Ian's doctor tells him that he has the potential to develop type 2 diabetes. Ian has heard that it's possible to control this outcome with diet, so he decides to cut out 
all sugar and try to eat more vegetables. Evan gets the same diagnosis, but he believes that it's all genetic. He comes from a family with a history of diabetes and feels that the outcome is inevitable. And because of this, he doesn't try to change his diet because he doesn't think it will make any difference. Okay, now that our imaginary friends provided some crystal clear examples, let's take a look at how locus of control relates to other psychological theories, specifically two theories. Self-efficacy and attribution style. Self-efficacy is a concept that was introduced by Albert Bandura, and it pertains to our perception of our capability to achieve our goals. Albert Bandura, a social psychologist, demonstrated that a person's belief in their competence significantly impacts their success regardless of their inherent talents. Those with high self-efficacy exhibit greater persistence and are less prone to giving up compared to individuals with low self-efficacy. So, you might be wondering, how do self-efficacy and locus of control relate to one another? Well, while self-efficacy and locus of control share a connection, they are somewhat distant concepts. An individual with an internal locus of control may attribute their health outcomes to their behavior, yet still doubt their ability to attain their desired results. For instance, someone might acknowledge that certain exercises can increase muscle mass, but also feel uncertain about their capacity to succeed due to a lack of knowledge in designing an exercise plan. Lastly, locus of control includes an appraisal of the surrounding environment, whereas self-efficacy is ultimately a self-reflective construct. All right. Let's take a look at attributional styles in locus of control. Locus of control is a learning theory that influences whether certain behaviors, such as adhering to an exercise plan or studying for a test, will either be encouraged or hindered based on perceived control. For example, if someone discovers a $20 bill on the street, they are unlikely to repeatedly return to that same spot expecting to find more money. This perception attributes the finding to an external event, which in this case is chance. Attributional style, another theory of behavior, includes a locus of control as one of three possible causes. Attribution theory incorporates additional factors such as whether the cause is global or specific and stable or unstable in addition to an individual's perceived control over it. A global attribution implies that the cause of an event remains consistent across all situations, whereas a specific attribution suggests that it only occurs in certain contexts. Whether an outcome is stable or unstable indicates whether it persists over time or is linked to a particular moment. Okay, maybe I lost some of you and you're like a bobblehead right now. So let me break down an example. Ability is stable and internal, whereas mood is unstable and internal. Task difficulty may be seen as stable and external while luck is seen as unstable and external. 
And of course, the perceived amount of control over each of these vary from person to person. Now, similar to locus of control, our attribution style influences our behavior. For instance, if your brother visits and angrily lashes out over a minor issue, how you attribute his behavior will shape your response. If you attribute his behavior to internal, stable, and global causes, you may believe his personality drives him to act this way consistently in all situations. However, if you attribute his behavior to internal but unstable and specific causes, you may think he is in a temporary bad mood and that his behavior is out of character and something must have triggered him. Based on these different appraisals of the same situation, your behavior will likely vary. You may be less inclined to forgive if you perceive the person to have control over their behavior. Conversely, you may be more likely to let it go if you view it as a one-time occurrence rather than a recurring pattern. A significant portion of the research exploring locus of control and its connection to personality has primarily focused on work satisfaction and health outcomes. The big five personality traits, including emotional stability, extroversion, openness, agreeableness, and conscientiousness have been studied for their varying impact on these domains concerning locus of control. In general, emotional stability and conscientiousness exhibit strong positive correlations with an internal locus of control. See, individuals who believe their actions directly contribute to the outcomes of situations are naturally inclined to work diligently, particularly when they have the desire to do so. Conversely, those with an external locus of control have been found to experience higher levels of stress and even depression. It is logical to assume that feelings at the mercy of external forces, where we feel a lack of power over our life, could lead to anxiety and a sense of learned helplessness. The concept of learned helplessness and its connection to an external locus of control was introduced by Martin Seligman in 1975. He advanced the hypothesis that individuals with depression have a state of mind that reflects a type of helplessness, meaning that they don't believe that their actions will have any positive effect on the outcomes of their lives. This type of thinking may reflect an external locus of control because they have little faith in themselves. Clearly, it is better for us as individuals to have a greater internal locus of control than external. So, how do we increase our internal locus of control? I've interviewed dozens of guests on this podcast over the years, from doctors, sleep experts, scientists, millionaires, philanthropists, financial experts, coaches, personal trainers, to entrepreneurs. And there's been one common theme between them all. They are focused on their health, feeling and functioning, at their best. And in order to feel and function at our best, in order to optimize our mental and physical performance, we need to understand our bodies and then start taking control. And that's where Life Force can help. Life Force brings together the data 
to understand your body, the medical experts to interpret it, and the tools to look, feel, and function at your best. And to top it off, your Life Force membership combines biomarker testing, functional medicine doctors, certified health coaches, and advanced nutraceuticals and hormone therapies. Now, many of us think that our health optimization is a one-and-done process, but it's not. Our bodies are dynamic and continue to change as we age. Your Life Force membership allows you to spot new issues as they arise and make the right moves at the right time. And this is achieved through continuous performance tracking. Every three months, Life Force draws your blood to see where you're performing well and what needs work based on 40 plus biomarkers that drive your mental and physical health, all from the comfort of your home. A plan that's one of one. From that data, they create your personalized plan, including advanced nutraceuticals, lifestyle recommendations, and hormone therapy to help you get back in balance. And lastly, expert clinical support, ultra-personalized care from their team of experienced functional medicine doctors, board-certified in functional medicine, endocrinology, and performance-based medicine. Members also receive a certified health coach for one-on-one coaching and accountability, all just a text away. Start your membership today and receive $200 off. Visit MyLifeForce.com. That's MyLifeForce.com or click the link in the show notes. Number one, become aware of your choices and accept them. In every situation, no matter how challenging or limiting it may seem, there is a range of options available to us. And these options vary in effectiveness or desirability. But the point is that we are not confined to a single course of action. Recognizing this abundance of choices opens up new possibilities and potential pathways for improvement. Even deciding not to take action is in itself a choice. Sometimes inaction is a conscious decision based on the assessment of available options. And understanding that even doing nothing is a choice helps us take responsibility for our actions and inactions. Realizing that choices always exist empowers us because it shifts our perspective from feeling helpless to recognizing our capacity to influence our circumstances. And it's this awareness that enables us to move away from a victim mentality and embrace a more proactive and empowering outlook. While some choices may be less than ideal or undesirable, Acknowledging their existence helps us come to terms with the imperfect nature of decision-making. It allows us to accept that not every option will lead to a perfect outcome, but that it doesn't diminish the significance of having the freedom to choose. Understanding that we have choices, even in challenging situations, encourages us to explore alternative ways of thinking about and approaching our circumstances. We may not have control over external events, but we can control how we respond to them. Adjusting our attitude can be a powerful tool for coping with adversity and finding inner strength. 
Number two, systematically evaluate your choices. When faced with a challenging situation or a decision to make, we often feel overwhelmed and limited in our choices. Taking the time to sit down and create a list of all possible courses of action can be incredibly beneficial because this exercise expands the range of possibilities and helps us to see that we are not as confined as we initially perceived. Listing all potential courses of action serves as a reminder of the various options available. Even when some options may seem unfeasible or less desirable, the process of seeing these choices written down on paper can be eye-opening and provide a sense of relief knowing that there are indeed alternatives to explore. In many situations, there are elements beyond our control that impact the outcome. By listing all possible courses of action, we can identify which aspects of the situation we have control over and which are beyond our influence. This differentiation allows us to focus our efforts on the aspects we can impact, which leads to a more proactive and effective approach. Having a comprehensive list of options empowers us to make informed decisions. It eliminates the feeling of being limited or trapped because we now can make choices based on a broader understanding of the available possibilities. Systematically, evaluating the listed courses of action helps us gauge the potential impact of each choice on the overall outcome. And it's this process that provides insight into the extent to which our decisions and actions can affect the situation. It encourages a sense of agency and responsibility as we assess our choices and recognize the control we have over certain aspects, our confidence grows. For example, students preparing for an exam, they may realize that they cannot control the specific questions asked, but they can control their study strategies and preparation. This understanding boosts their confidence in their ability to tackle any subject-related questions effectively. Feeling trapped or powerless in a situation can lead to increased stress and anxiety. Creating a list of options and evaluating them systematically allows us to gain clarity and perspective, and in turn reduces stress by promoting a more rational and proactive mindset. Ultimately, the process of creating a list of potential courses of action and systematically evaluating them encourages us to take ownership of our decisions. We become active participants in shaping our lives rather than passively accepting circumstances. Number three, embrace failure. Failure is a natural part of life, especially when we challenge ourselves to achieve something difficult or unfamiliar. Rather than viewing failure as a negative outcome, Individuals with an internal locus of control see it as an opportunity for growth and learning. They recognize that mistakes and setbacks provide valuable lessons that can lead to future improvements and success. 
to increase our internal locus of control, deliberately participating in activities that may lead to failure can be a transformative experience. By willingly stepping into these challenging situations, we confront our fear of failure and develop a growth-oriented mindset. And after encountering failure, the next crucial step is to analyze the controllable factors that contributed to the outcome. And this involves honest self-reflection and an examination of our actions, decisions, and strategies. Once we understand this, we're armed with insights from our analysis. We can then set new goals and implement changes based on what we learned from the failure. This action-oriented approach reinforces the belief that we have the power to influence future outcomes through our choices and actions. Strengthening our internal locus of control requires persistence and a willingness to iterate. By continuously engaging in challenging activities, learning from both success and failures, and making necessary adjustments, we develop a sense of mastery and self-efficacy. Viewing failure as a stepping stone to success shifts the mindset from a fear of failure to an embrace of growth opportunities. This positive mindset fosters self-assurance and a sense of control over our journey to success. When we attribute life outcomes to external forces beyond our control, we experience a sense of helplessness, unable to affect change. However, the reality of our level of control often hinges on our perception of it. Between the actual and perceived control lies the choices to believe in ourselves and our capacity to shape our destiny. Believing in our ability to control our lives increases the likelihood of taking risks and fosters a sense of confidence in our autonomy. By making subtle shifts in our mindset, we can begin to feel more empowered and in command of our future. This week's shout out is by Heather, who sent me a DM on Instagram. I've been listening to your podcast, The Motivated Mind, for about a year and a half now. I always dreamed of quitting my soul-sucking nine-to-five job, and your podcast helped me manifest that into a reality. Three weeks ago, I gave notice, and now I'm taking four to six months off to travel and do some soul-searching to figure out what's important to me and what I want my life and career to look like. So thank you. For an opportunity to be next week's shout out, please leave an honest review on the podcast. Send me a DM on Facebook or Instagram. Who knows? You just might be the next shout out. Thanks for listening to The Motivated Mind with your host, Scott Lynch. I hope you enjoyed my deep dive into the key to empowerment. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you could follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Motivated Scott. Don't forget to join me every Monday and Thursday for new episodes. I love you all, and thanks so much for listening.
motivated mind is a legacy division.